That's it. Go ahead and grab a Bible. Get with me to Luke chapter 10. That would be on page 843. Grab a Bible and get with me to Luke chapter 10, uh, page 843. We're doing a series called Serve, and uh, we've been looking at these uh, different passages here in Luke chapters 9 and 10, and we're kind of feeling our way through uh, these sections of Scripture and just reminding ourselves of being called to serve and what that looks like, and we're, we're filling in some of the details along the way. So I am excited about this uh, final installment, and then next week we'll begin our series called Imagine, and that's our Christmas series, and we'll do um, you know a couple weekends of that, and then our Christmas Eve service will, will tie in as well. But we need to finish this thing out in our Serve series. So let me go ahead and read the text with you. This is the... Um, the story about Jesus visiting Martha and Mary, starting in verse 38. So Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, we'll read it, we'll pray, and we'll get after it. Verse 38 says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we want to hear your voice. God, we want you to speak uh, into our hearts, Lord, and help us to know what it looks like to serve you well. Uh, we pray, Lord, as a church family, that we would be um, servant-hearted. We, we pray, God, that we would be known for the way that we uh, move toward need and, um, and, and volunteer ourselves and do whatever is necessary, Lord. But, but this morning, we're also taking a moment to recognize the one thing that's needed, and that's our discipleship to you, our time with you. So help us, Lord, to kind of set the stage for, for our service, help us to um, help us, Lord, to just hear your voice, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to zoom back out real quick. I'm going to look at the stories that we've already covered. I'm going to show you some of the themes running through them, and then hopefully we'll see why this uh, last little episode is uh, making a very important contribution to the whole discussion about serving. So if you recall, in chapter 9, Jesus declared that he was going to Jerusalem. He resolutely set out for there. So everything from that point forward is kind of the story of him and his disciples moving toward what he knew to be his death, his crucifixion, ultimately his resurrection. And he's traveling then with his disciples going to the cross, but also using this time very deliberately to make sure that the disciples, after he has been crucified and ascended, they could take on this way of life as well. So he's teaching and instructing them. It's a very intentional time for him. He sends out the 72. If you recall at the beginning of chapter 10, he takes 72 and we don't know their names, but he says, look, I'm sending you to every place where I'm about to visit. And you are going and he teaches them, okay, go and, and be dependent. You're going to do ministry in my name, but I want you to do it with faith. I don't want you to just pull this thing off in your own strength. I want you to go with a certain posture of dependency. He says, I want you to go and, and have your eyes open for, for the needs and people who are receptive to it. I want you to go and pray that the, the peace of God would descend on people. And he's giving all of these instructions to show his disciples what it looks like to do ministry 
and to serve in his name. And he actually tells them, you get to proclaim the kingdom of God and your voice will be my voice. And he's saying what you say to these places and how they respond to that will ultimately be a reflection of how people are responding to God himself. And so he's saying, you have this dignified and high calling and I am sending you out and giving you on the job training. I'm showing you what it looks like to follow me. And he says, where you find needs, meet those needs, even if it requires a miracle. And so he's, he's pushing the disciples into this opportunity in order that they might be coached up, have a, a hands-on training experience, and then he debriefs with them. Now they come back, remember, and they were geeking out because they actually got to see the power of God on display. They come back and they say, Lord, this is insane. You commissioned us and we went with obedience and we actually got to see your power on display. Demons responded to us. Fallen angels listened to what we had to say because we spoke in your name and they obeyed and they're freaking out. And Jesus takes the moment to kind of push the brakes and go, okay, guys, here's what I want you to know. As exciting as that might be, there's something even more profound. Don't rejoice that the demons listen to your voice and obey. Rejoice rather that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice in your salvation. And so he's teaching them, right? He's teaching them what it looks like to serve, but he's trying to build under it something much deeper, that your salvation and your relationship with God is, is what actually needs to be under all of your ministry efforts, okay? So he's teaching them what it looks like to serve, but he's also along the way just building in this gospel confidence and who they are. Then you look at the, the next story. We covered this, um, what was it, last week, but there's a expert in the law and there's this little dialogue between Jesus and this man asking the question of, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I receive my portion of salvation? And, and Jesus kind of dialogues with him a little bit and it platforms the Lord to tell a parable about what we call the Good Samaritan, a man who had been left for dead on the side of the road after being mugged and religious people kind of walk around and they excuse themselves. They don't, they don't see him and do something about it. They come up with an excuse for why they don't care for him. And he says, but a Samaritan comes and sees this man on the side of the road and moves toward him and bandages him and cares for him and puts him on his own donkey and takes him to an inn and, and um, does everything that's necessary for his long-term care and takes out his checkbook and pays for this man's ongoing expenses. And he says, look, this is what we're supposed to do. Go and do likewise. And, and what we recognized right away last week was, man, if that's what it looks like, we need help right? That if we're going to move toward people that we would consider our enemies and love them that profoundly, this isn't a, a checkbox that we go, all right, I got this. I'm, I, I can totally pull this off on my own. So Jesus, we noticed even last week, he's showing us what the gospel really is, that we're the ones who are on the side of the road and God in his love sees us in our need and he meets our needs and he bandages us and he cares for us so well. And then he tells us, go and do likewise. The way that you've been served, serve other people. So what are we seeing then? Jesus is preparing his, his servants. He's preparing his disciples to do ministry in his name, in his authority, with the level of care that would be reflective of God's love for people. So then we get to this little story, Mary and Martha. And you go, okay, why is this, what does this contribute to the discussion? What, what's going on here? And what's interesting is Jesus shows up and um, he gets invited into Martha's home. Now, he's a, he's a friend with these people. 
Um, you hear about them over and over again in the, in the gospels. So he's a friend of them and he visits with them. And one of the things that's really fascinating about this is the town that they're in, Luke kind of shades it a little bit. He doesn't tell you where they're at, but he said he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home. Now, when you look at the other stories about Mary and Martha, they say the town name. And do you know where it is? Two miles away from Jerusalem. And I'm not sure if you've ever walked two miles. It doesn't take too long. So they're not far from Jerusalem. So why is it that he's traveling to Jerusalem and he kind of makes this, this stop right here, but he doesn't end up in Jerusalem the next day. They keep doing a lot of other things. So why is it that it's ordered in this way? Well, because we need to see something. Luke is trying to help us here not to allow our serving to be the way that we try to accomplish our salvation. So look at what happens here. He goes into this home and Martha opens her home to him and is doing everything that's required to entertain guests. Okay, so Jesus has what, 12 disciples. So they're all showing up. They're kind of invading the house and she's getting everything ready. She's entertaining. She's doing the hospitality thing. It's a lot of work. Uh, Ash and I started hosting a group in our home. And every week, what do we do? We get everything cleaned up. We organize, we decorate, we do all the different things. We try to get dishes that match and we try to get everything set up and, you know, all the little detail stuff. And it's a lot of work. And that's what Martha is doing. She's doing all of this work to prepare this place. I was talking to one of my friends. He's from the Bloy campus, but he and his wife, when they have their group in, in their home, he says, Cor, it is so much work. When we, all the stuff we do to, to open our home to people, he says this, and he was just messing around, but it made me chuckle. He said, not even the Lord himself can help when we're trying to get ready for our group to come. He's saying, look, there's so much work. And that's exactly what Martha is doing. She's doing the work to open the home and invite the disciples in and create a space for them to have, you know, to be entertained, to have a meal, to have fellowship with one another. And she's doing all of this work. And meanwhile, her sister was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. Now, that expression, sitting at his feet, you know, maybe literally she's sitting there, but really it's a, it's, it's a phrase about discipleship. It's saying when you sit at someone's feet, it's a way that you say, I'm with them and I'm trying to learn from them. In fact, in Acts 23, that's what Paul says about his relationship with a rabbi, that he sat at the, at the feet of this at the foot of this individual learning from him. So Mary, what is she doing? She is interacting with the Lord in this discipleship way, saying, I, I just want, if he's here, I just want to spend my time becoming more and more familiar with him. I just want to spend my time learning what he's all about. I just want to spend my time investing in him. So that's what she's doing. And Martha raises a complaint then. She's looking at her sister saying, I'm doing all of this work. Why, do, why is it that Mary gets to sit here while I am slaving to get everything ready? So her complaint, verse 40, is she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. Tell her to get up. Tell her to get moving. Tell her to do some work. One of the things that I want to point out to you is this story is not teaching us that hospitality is unimportant, okay? Because you're going to, if you're just looking at the Bible over and over again, in the Old Testament, people are called to be hospitable. In the New Testament, hospitality is an important thing. In Romans, it's talked about. In Hebrews, it's talked about. It becomes a requirement 
for the highest level of leadership in the church. An elder has to be a person who is hospitable. It's not an issue that she's got the wrong stuff going on in her life. Hospitality isn't the problem. She brings this complaint, and the Lord looks at her, and he responds by saying this in verses 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. He's not saying hospitality is unimportant. He's saying there is something that is fundamental here. There's something that's even better than doing a lot of activity for the sake of the kingdom. What is it? Well, it's verse 39. Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Jesus is saying, this is priority. This is priority. Sitting at the feet of the Lord Jesus, being in a discipleship relationship with him is more fundamental than all of the activity that you might do in his name. Jesus is trying to show us something that, that being a disciple of his requires that we spend time listening to his voice and, and hearing from him what it should look like to serve in his name. So let's go ahead and just kind of draw out a, a, few, different, uh, a few different conclusions, uh, a few different applications for us. So, so what we're noticing then, if you think about the context, you, you realize, okay, some people might think that serving is the most important thing. If Jesus consistently sends people in his name to do ministry, then we can get tripped up when we begin to think that for my life to have value and significance and worth, I have to produce. I have to get after whatever it is that God wants me to do. I better go figure that thing out and get after it. And Jesus is reminding us here, discipleship is more fundamental than that. It's more important that you would spend time at his feet, listening to his voice, listening to his words, than you try to produce in his name. And so one of the things that we need to say is we just have to be careful that we're not too busy. Martha was very busy doing a lot of significant and important work. One of the problems that I see in my life and in the lives of some, some of our people and definitely in our cultures, we're very busy people. We get up in the morning and we start thinking about what needs to happen that day. And we go, I don't, it's, it's not even six o'clock yet. And we're going, I don't have enough time in the day to accomplish what needs to be done. We're busy like Martha. We're, we're, we're busy. We're filling our time. And, and one of the things we have to be careful of is that we don't neglect these these priorities of just spending time with the Lord himself. We need to spend time in Bible study, that we would spend time opening up the word and just saying, okay, Lord, I want you to speak to me. I know there are things I need to do today, but I'm going to spend my time investing in my relationship with you so that everything that I might do today would actually be informed by your voice. That's important. George Mueller, uh, the guy uh, from England who started a bunch of um, orphanages, he said in his autobiography that that was the most important job he had. He said, I spend the, the earliest moments of the day spending time getting happy in the Lord. And he said, and if I don't do that, and I'm paraphrasing pretty loosely here, but he's saying, if I don't do that, then everything else I do is pretty worthless. The most important thing I have on my calendar is to spend time with the Lord, getting my heart happy in him so that it influences everything else that I do. Uh, that's, what we need to, that's what we need to be thinking about. How can I spend time at the Lord's feet, hearing his voice so that I'm better prepared and equipped to get after whatever ministry assignment he might have for me today? 
There's an article called The Tyranny of the Urgent, and it's an article just talking about how there are so many demands on our lives. There are so many things that kind of say, you have to deal with this right now or it's going to become a problem. It's urgent. And the author of the article is saying that, that that's not the case. You actually need to create some margin in your life so that you can spend time reflecting and praying and, and doing the essential and the important things. Don't let the urgent just overwhelm your entire life because it will, it will. The busyness of life will overwhelm you and you won't be able to um, raise your eyes up and see the glory of God. So don't be too busy. Let's try to create margin in our lives to have quiet times, to listen to the Lord's voice and to let him set the agenda for what we're going to do. The other thing that I want to say is um, don't be too important. And I'm just reflecting on this recurring theme in my own life of often when we start doing ministry, we begin to feel that what we're doing is mission critical, that we and our efforts are supreme. And if we don't do it, it's not going to get done. So we just feel this obligation to, I've got to do this. This is a work of the Lord. This is an important task. And if I don't show up, I'm not sure who's going to do that for us. Don't be too important. In fact, I remember getting a note from uh, a missionary family and they had some health concerns and they had to leave the mission field and come stateside and, and kind of spend some time addressing those health concerns. And they were writing a letter out to their supporters and they were saying, we, we don't really know what comes next. Uh, we don't know if the health stuff is going to be resolved and we'll get back into the, into the ministry. We're, we're just not sure, but we are learning some things about our hearts and about our Lord right now. And this was an, an incredible letter to read because, you know, they weren't asking for anything. They, they weren't kind of putting themselves up on a pedestal saying, you know, our ministry is incredible. Look at our capes and all the stuff that we're doing. They were just being honest and they're saying, we're broken people right now. We're a broken family. We don't really need anything from you guys except for your prayers, but here's what we're learning. We are learning the hard way that our hearts were, were becoming bound up in our activity. And we, our value is so wed to our ministry that now we're learning from the Lord himself that he doesn't need us, that, he doesn't, that, that the mission field isn't going to shut down just because they're not there. And they were learning that it's, it's possible to approach your, your serving and your gift and the execution of it, the use of that gift in a way that says, this is the most important thing. And sometimes we have to learn, sometimes the hard way, that God allows us to be used. He doesn't necessarily need us. Uh, for me, that happened a couple different times with, with injuries, doing the sports ministry, um, with experiences in, in church life. And, and what you learn is that your gift and your serving is a privilege and God can use it in a way that's instrumental. But don't allow that to become more important than your salvation or your relationship with God. Don't do that because that's unhealthy and that's broken and that's ministry idolatry. Some people get into this thing where there's a savior complex and you begin to think my ministry and my work is supreme and I'm going to fix people and I'm going to do my thing. And we just have to be careful of our own hearts that we would not allow ourselves to be too important. And Jesus here in this story is teaching us the importance of discipleship. Sometimes what we need to do is humble ourselves and just sit down and just trust that God is at work and listen to him and interact with him and re-engage him in, in our relationship, which is so 
so essential. All right, here's, here's the takeaway from this little, this little nugget here. Jesus cares more about your discipleship than your productivity. He cares way more about your discipleship than you being productive. Um, he's able to look at us and he's not thinking, how can I get more efficiency out of you? How can I get you serving on more ministry teams? How can I get you advancing the kingdom of God in a profound way? I'm just trying to coach you up so you can produce at a high level. No, he cares much more about your relationship, your discipleship, than he cares about your productivity. All right, so that's the first thing. We're learning here in this story the importance and the priority of discipleship. But here's another thing that we need to see. Just because Jesus wants our relationship more than our productivity doesn't mean that we're off the hook of serving, right? Like if we're looking at this story and we take it in isolation, we might think, oh, I don't really have to do that. I don't really have to serve. In fact, I could just sit around and read my Bible all day. And maybe that'd be preferred. Maybe that's what Jesus really wants is for me to just spend my time all day, a a permanent quiet time. How wonderful would that be? I'm just always praying to God and always interacting with him and always sitting at his feet. And when ministry opportunities come up, here's what I do. I weigh them against my time with the Lord. And I always think this time with the Lord is more important than that. That's, that, that would be foolish, right? Because if you're looking at the context, what is Jesus doing? Sending people, sending people, serve, do this, sacrifice for the good of other people, volunteer yourself, take your time and your energy and your talents and use them for, for your enemies. So Jesus is not letting us off the hook of serving. We need to recognize that he, he is calling us to this. He's just telling us not to be lazy, uh, you know, not, don't be lazy and just sit around and, and excuse yourself and, and make it this spiritual thing. Get after volunteering, but do it out of your relationship with God. Now, we must serve, and uh, it's good of us if, if we think through, okay, what's it going to look like for us? We should be thinking through, okay, how can I serve, and how can I do that out of a heart that is in a right relationship with my Lord and Savior? Um, and one of the things, I think one of the implications for this is, even when we recruit people to ministry teams, we have to be careful about how we do it, okay? So if, if Jesus is telling us here that he wants people serving, but he wants them serving out of their relationship, I think it has some implications for how we do recruitment. And I was just thinking about some, some emails that I used to get doing student ministry. Christian schools do chapels every week which means they have this huge amount of need for speakers to come in and give messages. So they're always looking for people to come in and do that. And they'll send out this email blast to all of the different uh, youth pastors in the area. And I remember getting these, these, it just happened over and over again where somebody was saying to, to us, the group of youth pastors in the area, guys, we have this need. I'd love for you to grab some opportunities off the calendar. And they kept saying, just remember, this isn't something you have to do. This serving isn't something you have to do. It's something you get to do. And, and here's what it was. It was the subtle way of guilting us into taking opportunities, right? It's like, you, you guys should be pulling these things off of the calendar. And remember, guys, it's, it's all about the, the fact that you have an opportunity to serve. And, and so sometimes when we recruit, we, we're not doing it based out of a relationship with, with Christ. We do it out of guilt and we go, there's some work that needs to get done here. And we're Martha's and we're going, okay, I see some people who are inactive. How do we get them serving? Because they're not doing this thing right. I think there are implications that we actually need to invite people 
into experiences where they can grow in their love for Christ and they can explore what it looks like to serve him with their gifts. And so let's not be heavy-handed in the way that we kind of push people onto ministry teams or, or, or beat them down if they're not serving at a high level. Let's invite them into our lives and in, into discipleship, and let's talk to them about their gifts and how they could be used. Let's, let's care more about people than the task. And I think that's a really important thing for our, for our ministries moving forward. We have a high, high level of volunteerism at Central MP. 60% of our adults are on teams. A huge amount of our teenagers are serving each week. There's not a ton of bandwidth to get more people involved. What we need to do then is care about people and recognize how God has gifted us and, and disciple people so they could figure out how to use their gifts in the appropriate ways. All right, this is the last thing I want to do. I just want to do a little bit of diagnostic stuff, and then the, um, the band's going to come up, and, and we'll do one more song together. But as we hear this story, as, you, as we hear about Martha and Mary and the Lord's interaction, interaction with them, we need to be evaluating our own hearts and, and just trying to figure out where we land in this story. Um, we, we need to recognize that the gospel actually calls us into a relationship with the Lord who is a servant. And so we're, we're being called to apprentice to him and sit at his feet and hear his voice. But what did he do? He served people with his life. He laid down his life to save people. So we need to spend time with him and then expect that we're going to be commissioned to be in ministry and serving in a variety of different ways. So I want to do a little bit of, uh, of a heart check right now and just ask, where, where would you land in this? In this story, where, where would you land? And I've got a couple different categories. The first would be beginners. I think that, that there are some times where you know, you hear a story like this and you might begin to think, you know, I'm not currently serving or I'm not really serving maybe in my sweet spot. I'm not, I'm, maybe I'm not doing what Christ really wants me to do yet. I've not been on mission yet and figured out, okay, here's what it looks like for me. I might plug into something every so often, but I really haven't figured out what it looks like to, to serve. There are some of us that are beginners and Jesus throughout this series, hopefully in these passages of scripture is calling us to evaluate how could we invest our lives in serving and blessing other people in the power of the gospel? What would that look like? So some of us, we need to, if we're in that category where we haven't gotten after it yet, what would it take for you to move in that direction? What would you need to do in order to identify your gift and an area that you could serve in and then move toward that and begin to do it? What training would you need? What, what people would you need to talk to? Um, think about that because I'd love for you to pursue it, that you would get after figuring out your gift and your ministry. Okay, that's some of us. Some of us are beginners. But here's the other category that I have in mind here. Some of us are workers and we serve and we've been after it for a while now and we're Martha's and we're getting stuff done. And one of the things that we might need to do on a morning like today is we need to evaluate our hearts because some of us might be serving not out of our relationship with Christ, but out of obligation. And what we need is a hard reset. We need to come to the Lord and, and realize, I want more helpers so that my life gets easier. And Jesus reminds us there's one thing, indeed one thing that's required, and Mary's doing it right now. It's to slow down and sit at my feet and make sure that you're engaging with me before you get after any, any other ministry. Some of us, we need to actually 
hit, a, hit pause right now and just go, yes, I am serving, but my heart is not in it. And I need a chance to, to have that hard reset and get my relationship with the Lord right so that my serving could be joy-filled, so that my serving could be empowered by the power of the gospel and not just my strength, so that I could be right with the Lord. And some of us, we, we need to identify that in our own hearts today and say, look, here's, here's what needs to happen. Um, now, unfortunately, as, a, as your pastor, you don't have my permission to just quit everything. Uh, but I would love to hear about that and help you figure out what does it look like for you to, um, to do this in the way that God wants you to do it. What would it look like for you to serve in the strength that God supplies, in his power, in a living relationship with him? What would that look like for you? I think some of us this morning are in that boat, so we need to be praying that God would help us. So I'm going to invite the band to come up now, and uh, we're going to sing once more. But let me go ahead and pray. And again, just keep reflecting on where do you land in this story and what do you need to do as a result of it? All right, Lord, thank you so, so much that you've called us to be a part of your church. And um, I thank you, God, that there's really no person in the body of Christ who doesn't have a significant work to do. You gift each of us by your spirit to, to build one another up. And so everyone that's in here this morning is gifted by you, God, to serve. And we're grateful that the past uh, handful of weeks, we've been able to look at what it, what it means to serve, what it means to be called by you and sent by you, what it looks like to, to sacrifice for the good of other people. Um, Lord, I pray that each of us would continue to pursue this thing, that we would, that we would move toward ministry opportunities because we want to grow in our ability to be servant-hearted and to build up the body of Christ and to reach those who are far from God. Help us to do that. Lord, some of us in here this morning, though, our hearts are off, and we're busy, and we're working. And um, this morning, Lord, would you overwhelm us with a sense of your presence, that you're just calling us right now in this moment to just, to just chill and, and to realign ourselves to you and what you're doing and find new power and new strength to serve in your name. Would you help us, Lord? Amen.